victories and all of our pains we just lay it down before you today at the foot of the cross and we ask that you speak to us God we've come here for an encounter with you Jesus we open our hearts and our minds and through your word now we pray that you would speak to us and we just give you this time to speak into our lives to touch us to heal us amen just invite you to take your seats Thanks so much, team. Thanks. So uh, my name is Kylie. I'm part of the team here today. And what I want to do now is we're just going to uh, spend some time looking through an account and met Jesus, a Jesus encounter, a man in the Bible. Uh, and I call it an account, not a story, because it's not a story that was made up and put in the Bible um, that we now believe. The Bible doesn't really work like that. You might have heard people say, oh, it's in the Bible, so I believe it. But that actually, Christianity works the other way around. Because it was believed, it's in the Bible for us to read. So you might have heard people say, Christianity is a God-made religion. All these people what, wrote down stories about Jesus, and then we believe them. Uh, but that's not the case. Rather, the whole people, the whole community where these actual events occurred uh, read about it at that time and they agreed with it. And so they said, yes, that's a true account of what we saw and what we heard and what happened in our lives and in our family members' life. And so, yes, that can be written down and that can be shared. And so because it was believed, it was written down and we can believe it now. Uh, you might have heard occasionally the media comes up and says, oh, there's a secret gospel, there's a gospel of James or whoever, there's a, an extra gospel with extra secret things in. But those actually were the accounts that were not believed. Those are stories, and the people who were alive at the time said that's not even what happened. If something happened in Port Lincoln, everybody knows about it. Come on, it's a small town, everybody knows. And if, if the paper in Adelaide were to write it down, Everyone in Port Lincoln would go, that's not what happened, guys. Let's tell you the true story. We were without power for days, I tell you. Um, weeks, weeks it was, yeah. Because the community believed it, they were there and they saw it and that happened to them because they believed it was written down and now we can believe it too because of that. And so we're going to hear it, we're going to read through an account of an actual man who really lived. He was born blind. He found nothing better to do with his day or his life than to beg for bread just to get through the day, to keep living for another day of being a blind beggar. And uh, he had an encounter with Jesus. And we're going to see what happened. And it, it's, um, I'm going to read through the whole chapter, uh, John, the, chapter 9. Uh, and um, it's quite complex. There's heaps of people in it. There's Jesus, his disciples, this blind man, even the blind man's parents get involved. Um, there's all the Pharisees, the religious leaders. There's lots of people around. Uh, but through all that, and through all that, there's politics, and Jesus is definitely trying to send a message to the Pharisees and, and um, about who he is and what's going on there. But through all of that, we're going to ignore all of that and just look at what happened to this man what happens when Jesus enters a life and, and what does that mean for us? So 
How about we just begin by making sure you've said hello to the people around you. Make sure you know who you're sitting next to. Who's behind you? Hello. 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 Love it. And uh, we just remember that uh, we have a team from One Heart up at Alliston as well today. The first Sunday of the month, we have One Heart at Alliston. So remember them in your prayers. And can we just lift up the whole Santo family, Pastor Pauline's lost her voice. What must that be like for Pauline? <laughs> She's been trying to talk to us all morning. We're like, we can't understand. Um, Pastor Rob's very sick as well, but all the Santo kids are unwell. Uh, so keep them lifted in our, in our prayers, our senior pastor and whole family. Um, So, this account, uh, I'm going to start reading in the Gospel of John, uh, which just means the good news according to John. John was a guy. And um, verse, sorry, chapter 9, verse 1. So, as he passed by, that's Jesus. So, Jesus was walking. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, that means like teacher or master, Who sinned, this man or his parents, so that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, that's God, while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, this is where it gets weird. If you haven't heard this before, it's pretty weird. You wouldn't have seen this in a church before. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and he made mud with his saliva. It's gross. And then he anointed with the spit mud. He anointed the man's eyes with the mud and he said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. This is weird, isn't it? It's awesome, but it's weird. And um, I I actually forgot to ask permission for Amy, so I'll have to. She's probably listening to the podcast. Hey, Amy, is it all right if I just share the story? Thanks. So Amy this week, if you see us on Facebook, got glasses I did not know the kid was blind, but she's pretty blind. This is my daughter. We only found out because she started driving now, and she's like, I can't really see the signs, Mum. I'm like, oh, you stop complaining. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, went, she went to her thing, and she tried on her friend's glasses, and she's like, I can see. And so she demanded that we go to an optometrist, and I let it pass for ages. And then she rang up the optometrist and made an appointment herself. And uh, then they go, oh, yeah, you're totally li- illegal to drive. You can't drive like this. You're way blind. You have to have glasses all the time, 24-7. So she got glasses. She looks so beautiful. Anyway, this whole week, she's just, I took her up Winter's Hill. She's like, is this what you see all the time? She didn't know there were those windmill things in the distance. She'd never seen them before. She's like, I thought clouds were all fluffy and blurry but they've got edges look at the trees you can see every little leaf I thought they were just kind of green all over and even up to my face she's like oh mama I'm like oh now she can see all the wrinkles 
in the supermarket. I'm dragging her behind. She's like, look at all the stuff in here that she's never seen before. Uh, she's over in Adelaide now, so she's like, oh, I can see everything. Uh, so when I read this account, it doesn't say then he went away dancing and jumping. It just says he went and washed and he came back seeing. And some verses says he went home seeing. But can you imagine the joy? I mean, Amy could see, just a little bit blurry. But this man has been blind from birth. He's never seen a thing. And now some man spits and puts mud in his eyes and, and now he can see the joy that you've got to read between the lines. The joy he must be experiencing must be crazy. His whole life has changed from this point on. And those elements that we see in it of, um, this is what it reminds me of, Maybe I'm thinking too deep, but you know, like the Jesus picks up the dirt and and he and he makes this new life, just like God in the Garden of Eden. He created us out of just the earth, you know, the dirt from the ground and and breathed life. So there's a sense of like he's got this new life and go wash into the, wash in the pool, like it's this sort of symbolic of baptism. This is all this like new. This man has a completely new life now, doesn't he? Because of this encounter with Jesus, although he still is. He wouldn't know Jesus if he bumped into him on the way back from the pool. He was blind, gets more muddied up, spit in his eyes, goes to wash, and Jesus is somewhere else. He hasn't actually seen Jesus yet. He's just like, I can see. So cool. But look what the disciples do. Now, the first thing they do. So it says Jesus saw a man was blind. And the disciples go, ah, a sinner. Who sinned? Was it this man's sin? What did they want Jesus to say? Yes, he is the sinner. It's his fault he was born blind. What possible outcome could have come from that? But the first thing they see with their own natural eyes is, you know, he's a beggar, he's disabled, he's not doing anything worthwhile with his life. Probably it's his fault. Probably there's some sin here or maybe his family's fault, but definitely there's something wrong in this guy's life and it's, it's kind of like his fault. That's what the disciples see. And they point it out. Everyone's around. They point it out to Jesus. Who's the sinner here? Is it this guy? Whose fault is this? And before we get too mean about the disciples, I think we all probably have a tendency, our natural Psyche goes that way too. We see people who are on the fringes and the outcasts and sort of disconnected from community and the poor and the vulnerable and the homeless. And, and we're like something, they, don't, they, they haven't got it together in life like we have. They just somehow have done something wrong and they haven't got it together. And somehow we can equate this kind of rejection from society as a rejection from God, don't we? They just can't get it together. It's their fault. Uh, what do people say about refugees? Yeah, it's their fault. Why should we help them? People who are homeless, why should we help them? People who have had maybe sinful parents, why, why should we have to help them? You know, something's gone wrong in that. That's not our business. They're the sinner. And maybe even, God forbid, we might point it out. I've seen a lot of that on Facebook lately, pointing out that's the sinner. But Jesus shows us his kingdom is not like that at all. He's always saying, he's always stepping in and he's breaking all their assumptions. And he says, you know how the world works? You know how the Gentiles work, how the Romans work? My kingdom doesn't work like that. Not so for my kingdom. 
He makes a beeline all through the Gospels for the very ones who are oppressed, the very ones who are sick, who are lame, who are the outcasts, the untouchable, the ones on the fringes, on the outside, the ones who don't have it all together. Maybe it's their fault and maybe it's just the circumstances that they find them in. But he makes a beeline for the poor and the vulnerable. All of his um, preaching and teaching is about blessed be the poor that these people are the ones that will see God. That's who he is. So we see this just beautiful picture of who Jesus is just in this blind man. That's all of us. We're all this blind man begging, not able to see our way ahead. And we see Jesus comes in, into our brokenness, into our suffering, into our disappointments, into our sin, And he comes in and redeems us and heals us. That's who he is for no apparent reason, just for no reason at all, just because that's who he is. That's what grace is. So he comes back saying, I would suggest he was dancing. Uh, Because what? how would he walk before with maybe a stick or something? And now he's like, I can see where I'm going. The neighbors... And those who had seen him before as a beggar start saying, is this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, yes, it is he. Another said, no, it just looks like him. But he himself kept saying, I am the man. And so they said, well, how then were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud. He left out the bit about the spit. He made mud. And anointed my eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And then they said, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Because he doesn't know. And the part that jumps out to me there is the neighbours and those who had seen him before every day as a beggar. In some translation, it also says the relatives. The neighbors and the relatives and the people who saw him every single day are saying to themselves, oh, is that the guy? And some are like, I think it is. And others are like, nah, it just looks like him. Like all those beggars just all look the same. It's just one of them. They don't know who he is. His neighbors and the people who saw him every day don't even know, can't even be sure if that was the guy. He was right in the city centre. Everyone saw him every day. And yet, he was isolated, wasn't he? He was alone. His blindness caused him to be isolated. And uh, that's the very thing that Jesus healed. We can all have that experience. I'm sure that probably every single one have had that experience where Maybe you've been in a room full of people or at a party or at an event or even Christmas or something and there's people all around you and you can feel like, but inside, I just feel alone. You might even wonder, look, if a really drastic change happened and I wasn't here, would anyone even notice? They didn't notice that guy. It always feels new. It feels like I've n- no one else has ever felt this this depth of somehow inside I'm alone. You can bump shoulders with me, but in here I'm alone. But look at this man, 2,000 years ago, totally different community, totally different culture, country, and he's unknown to his neighbours 
who see him every single day. And uh, it's a bit like our society now. He's a beggar. The more he begged for help, the more invisible he became, didn't he? We can sometimes feel like that too. The more we need help and we're crying out for help, the more invisible or unnoticed we can become, the more disconnected we can feel. But then, all of a sudden, here comes the gospel. Jesus steps in. And it says, Jesus sees. Jesus saw the blind man and went up to him. Not to give the guy a few coins so he could get a bit more bread and get through another day, but not a band-aid. But Jesus heals the one thing that brought isolation to him. Uh, I'm no expert in being blind at all, but I have read about people who say, actually, being blind isn't the problem. Other stuff is the problem. You know, now I've got super great hearing, and I'm quite happy being blind. The guy was born blind. He didn't know anything different. Um, uh, Sometimes people actually refuse to get treatment for their eyes. They say, no, I'm all right being blind. Same with deaf people. They go, the deafness isn't the problem. It's, It's these other things that are the problem. If everyone else knew sign language, there wouldn't be a problem at all. So being blind wasn't really the problem for the man. It's that that is the thing that cut him off from his community and made him be isolated. And that's the very thing that Jesus heals, that very thing. To not just let him see, but to allow him to be entering into full community. And did you see what the blind man says when Jesus comes up to him? Nothing. The blind man says nothing. He's got no part in saying anything. He didn't call Jesus over. He doesn't beg for healing. He doesn't say a special heal me prayer over and over for nine days. He doesn't say anything. And I I think he's heard of Jesus because he knew Jesus' name and he talks about that guy, Jesus. So why didn't he even call him over? Maybe he was just tired of begging or tired of trying. Have you ever felt that? I've heard about Jesus, but... I just don't even have the energy to, to call out to him. And, it, and here in this gospel, we see we don't even need to do that. Jesus comes to us, and for no reason at all, not even because we've asked, he offers healing, he offers community, he offers family, he offers connection, he offers being set free, and he comes into our brokenness. We never need to sort it all out first and be good people before he comes into our lives. The only thing that was required of the man is that he took that step of faith and did what Jesus asked. Jesus said, go and wash. And so it says the man went and washed. That's the only thing, the after step, when Jesus tells us to go and and live in faith. That's the part that we do, but it's always God that initiates. Can we be the people of the good news who go? Can we be these people of grace who go to people who are, you know, socially outcast and and have stigma and, and or they feel like they are and we're the ones who make the first step. We're the ones that initiate contact. We're the ones that will go into their brokenness and offer freedom and healing and forgiveness. We are called to be those people, to be the people of grace, to be Jesus' hands and feet now. We're the ones who make the first contact. We don't have to wait for other people to come to us. We make the first initiation because that's what Jesus has done for us. And the good news is, this is what Jesus does. He, you know, Jesus said, uh, 
my father, me and my father will come and make our home within you, in your heart. And so the life of a Christian means not having to follow rules and stuff. That's not what the life of a Christian is. It's not about, um, you know, saying no to everything and yes to being a good Christian all the time and um, never swearing again and always wearing nice clothes. It's got nothing to do with any of that stuff. It, the life of a Christian means that we get to enjoy the company of God within us, within our very inner being and never be alone again on the inside the life of a Christian means that we get to enjoy the company of God, the intimate company of God. God is a God who sees on our, within us, in our hearts, in our spirits, and never be alone again. Wow. And then to tell others. So, can you imagine the scene? The guy's running around, woohoo, I can see. Everyone's like, wow, he can see. And and then from verse 13 it says, they bought, the Phari- they bought to the Pharisees the man who was blind. So as would we all, we've found a man who used to be blind and now he can see. We're like, we better tell someone official about this. So they take him to the Pharisees. And it was the Sabbath day. That was the Saturday and it was the special holy day where they weren't allowed to do any work. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him, how did he receive his sight? And he said, the same old story. We've heard it three times already. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. It's not very complicated, is it? He doesn't need to write it down. But some of the, and some of the Pharisees said, this man is from God, is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, well, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they asked the man again, the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and received his sight. So they called his parents. What do you do when you don't believe a person? Right, get someone else. Get his mum and dad. They'll surely know. They were there when he was born. They called his parents and they said, is this your son who you say was born blind? How can he see? Well, the parents don't know. The parents say, we know that this is our son and we know he was born blind, but how he sees, we don't know. And nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He's an adult. He'll speak for himself. His parents also said these things because they feared the Jews. So the religious Jews had agreed if anyone says that they believe Jesus is the Messiah, then they get kicked out. They get kicked out of the synagogue or what we might call church. They get kicked out of the community. He's of age, they said. Ask him. So for the second time, the man is like Amy just wandering around going, look at all this stuff at the marketplace. I never knew I could buy. I didn't know this was on sale. Uh, And they call him back again. And they say, give glory to God now. We know that this man is a sinner. And he says, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that I was blind and now I see. So this blind man, now healed, he can see now, he's telling everyone and they don't believe. What can we learn from that? Sometimes you might tell people about your encounter with Jesus and they might not believe you. It's right there in the Bible, so don't be surprised if that happens. Have you ever tried that? Told somebody about your faith and hope in Jesus and they haven't believed you? It's like, huh, 
It's a surprise. I haven't lied to you about anything else, friend. Uh, why would I lie about this? But they just won't believe or it causes division. We'll just take this example of this man. Even though he didn't answer, he didn't know all the answers, they're saying, well, how did this happen? What happened here? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know about all the other stuff. But one thing I do know, I used to be blind. Jesus got involved, and now I can see. As Christians, we're called just to share that story. It is excellent to study the Bible. You should read the Bible and study it and get extra books and join Bible college and um, pray every day and, and, and gather with groups and speak about um, you know, things of God and learn everything you possibly can about God. But at the end of the day, nobody has to know all of the answers. We just have to share that one thing. And everybody who is a Christian has got that one thing. And what is it for you? that you're thinking right now, this is my one thing. I don't know all those other answers, but when it comes down to it, there's one thing I do know. What is that for you? There's one thing I do know. I have been forgiven, or I am loved, or I am accepted, or I am part of his family now. I was blind, now I can see. For me, I was hopeless. I was hopeless. I didn't have an inch of hope even to get through one day. Every morning, get up. Why? What's the point? And then I had an encounter with Jesus, and now I have hope overflowing. I got hope for everyone. I got hope enough for the whole world, literally. If you want some, come to me. I'll slather it on you, minus the spit. What is that one thing, and that is what we're called to share, just share with people, just share it with everyone. Whether they believe or not, it's not really the point. Just share what that one thing, because that is the gospel. This is the gospel according to John. That's the gospel. That's God, good news through you, through you, through your life. So they didn't listen. He has a bit more trouble. Verse 26 says, And they said to them, But what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he's getting a bit annoyed. He just wants to go look at stuff. He answered, I've told you already, but you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? He gets a bit facetious. He says, do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him and I said, you're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And the man says, what? This is an amazing thing. And he doesn't mean it good. He means it's sarcastic. He's like, this is a ridiculous thing. He says, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind, and if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, well, you were born in sin, and who are you to teach us? And they cast him out. Ironically, as he is formally cast out from the synagogue, he's excommunicated, he's not part of the formal community anymore. At that very moment, he's, Jesus has made him part of his community in, in, the one, in the first time for a meaningful way. So don't worry if you're cast out from formal institutions or anything like that, because that's the very time that Jesus might be bringing you into meaningful, true spiritual community. But he still hasn't seen him. He still hasn't seen Jesus. 
Jesus could be any one of the people around him he still hasn't seen. And so, again, there's this picture of this is who we are as Christians. We are standing there like a beggar on the side of the road. We don't even ask God. God comes to us. He sees us. He enters into our situation. He heals the very thing within us that uh, causes us to be broken from relationship to him and to each other. And then... Uh, we get called to share our faith. And people may or may not believe us, and we may even be persecuted for it. And yet we still, he still hasn't, and we still haven't seen Jesus face to face. There's still, we're walking on faith just like he was. We're walking on faith. But what hope we have in this next portion of the account, which is our hope as well, as he sees Jesus face to face, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out and he said, he found him and said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I can believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And that doesn't mean that he sang two slow songs to him. after two fast ones. He worshipped him right there and then. Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. That means he worship is putting God in the place where God belongs. A function of worship is that we say, you are God, and I am a creature that you created, and I'll allow you to be God. That is worshipping God. When we find ourselves at crossroads in life and at, at difficult times in our lives, we look to God and we say, I will let you be God in this one. You lead me and I'll follow because I'm your follower. I'm your creature that you made. You're the God here. Surprise, I'm not. That is worship when we place God into the place that he should be. He's worthy of worship. And we express that in our singing, absolutely. But worship is every day, every choice we have that that we're placing him in that place in our lives and we say, I will allow you to be who you are. You are God and I will trust you and I'll walk wherever you lead me. So you see this uh, man has been on a journey These are the things that this blind man said about Jesus. First, he says, oh, there was a man called Jesus. When they said, what happened? He's like, there's a man called Jesus. And then when they start questioning him, he says, Jesus was a prophet. Who is he? They said, he's a prophet. And then next time they question him, he says, he is a man of God. He's a man from God. And finally, when he encounters Jesus again face to face, he acknowledges he is the son of God. He's the Lord. He's the savior. And he worships him. And this is the journey that every human gets to go on as well, a journey of faith. And you might look at that and think that you are any one of those uh, right now, that you are any one of those. You might think, I'm a skeptic. There might have been a guy called Jesus. Or you might be uh, thinking he's the son of God and worthy of worship and you're ready to lay down your life at his feet. Jesus doesn't adequately give a proper answer at the beginning. I might have been a bit too mean to the disciples. They might not really have been trying to call him out. They might have genuinely been wrestling with that question of why do people hurt? Why was this man blind? Why do we go through disappointments? Why do we have um, things taken from us? Why do we have 
mental illness? Why do we even get the flu? Why, why has bad stuff happened to good people? They might genuinely have been trying to ask it when they're like, Jesus, Rabbi, why is this like this? And don't we all ask it over and over? And Jesus doesn't really give a good answer, a satisfying answer. This is his answer. It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. It's not really an answer why, but it is what happens next. So that the works of God can be seen in this situation, we must work the works of God the Father. Let Jesus work in that disappointing, painful, hurtful, hopelessly seeming situation so that the work of God may be seen in it without ever knowing why, so that the work of God might be seen in it. Let God work in it. That's all we're, that's all the answer we're, we're given as we consider this encounter with Jesus. And the man surrendered. He let Jesus touch his eyes and he followed his instructions. He went into the pool and his whole life changed. He has a new life. So I'd like to, uh, I'd like to just spend a, a moment now and, and ask God to speak with us. If I could have the music team up for a moment. Maybe we'll just dim the lights a little bit again. So many of us here today I know are carrying disappointments or pain or maybe even sin, confusion in your life, uh, or waiting. As we sang one of those promises, we stand on your promises, but maybe you've just been waiting so long. Let's just close our eyes now and allow it, allow God a moment into that. As we've been talking and hearing about this man's blindness, maybe God has begun to show you that, that area in your life which disconnects you from community, which isolates you. Maybe it's something you've done, a sin that you've brought into your life, or maybe it's just something that's happened in your situation. If God is bringing that to mind now, let's just give him a moment and ask him to bring healing. He saw that blind man from the masses and he knew everything about him. He knew how that man was broken. He knows where your brokenness lies. He wants to bring healing today. Well, maybe as you consider the journey that that man went on from thinking, well, Jesus was a man, he was a prophet, to yes, I believe he's a saviour. Would you be willing to let this gospel encounter today affect how you see Jesus, to let that open up this new sight of Jesus, this undeserved grace that Jesus is the one who just comes to us. We don't need to beg him. He brings healing. He brings good news. Will you be willing to 
just take one more step on in how you see Jesus. Take one more step towards believing in Jesus. Whatever that means for you. You can just tell the Lord in your heart, tell Jesus in your heart. Or maybe you are like this man, blind but now healed, jumping for joy, looking all around, and you're wanting to know, how can I share my story? Just take that moment now and and ask God for the strength and the courage and the words, the sight, the clarity to be able to share that one thing that you have. Or maybe this morning, you're none of those, but you've just been hearing those words about encountering Jesus. you just come here today to encounter Jesus, to have Jesus speak to you. You might feel a feeling or think of a situation or remember a Bible verse as it comes to mind, or you might just have a sense of rest and peace as God's presence is here. Oh Lord, we just let you speak to us. You want to speak to your people this morning, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for showing your heart to us as we read about your encounter with that blind man, how you healed him, how you made it possible again for him to be known, to be into community. You're the God who sees. Even when we're not crying out, you're the God who sees us and comes to us. You enter into our pain, our grief, our suffering. You enter into our anxiety, our sickness, and even our sin. That's who you are, Jesus. Never to shame us, never to call us out, never to point out our sin and blame, but always to lift us. You're the lifter of our heads and the healer of our hearts. You bandage up our every wound. God, we pray you'd make us people of grace, that we are known as a people who reach out to the outcast, the people on the fringes, the people who are, who are lonely, that we are the ones who would take that first step. Bring them to mind and let us never see them as it's their fault or anything like that, God. Let us see them through your eyes. The disciples saw it a homeless beggar sinner and you saw a broken man loved by God known by God that you wanted to heal give us your vision for the people we encounter Amen Thank you church this morning